Hello, I am Max, the boyfriend. I'm Celie, the girlfriend. And this is A Girlfriend's Glimpse, where I make my girlfriend watch some stuff that she otherwise wouldn't. This week, we're going to be talking about Godzilla Minus One. So when I suggested going to the theater and watching this, what were you thinking? Well, <laughs> I was more or less just going, oh, here's another movie that I'm just going to sit through. <laughs> but... Because, I mean, Godzilla movies beforehand were all right, but they never really, mm -hmm. you know, interested me enough to choose to watch it on my own. But As much of a pop culture thing that Godzilla is and has become, I've never really cared about Godzilla. Like, I get it. He's a metaphor for nuclear <laughs> disaster, nuclear, nuclear, what, whatever. Nuclear. <laughs> I say it like Gene Hackman in Superman. <laughs> nuclear nuclear <laughs> but yeah I, I i get the whole thing about why godzilla is a really cool metaphor for what humans do to the earth and i understand all that i just don't care or at least i didn't care until this movie came out oh, yeah. and i should preface this by saying I have seen some Japanese Godzilla movies. Uh, specifically, I watched Shin Godzilla, which was, I believe, the last God the Japanese Godzilla movie. And that was pretty good. There's a lot of scenes of government officials in boardrooms, like, just saying, what are we going to do next? We got to defeat Godzilla. There's a lot of that. But it's still good in that, and I've also seen the OG black and white version, but all of these versions really focus on how Godzilla's a monster. And this movie, it takes that to a T. Like, it's perfect. It's, it just, in this one, it, they give you no backstory for how Godzilla just came to be. Mm -hmm. He just, at the beginning of the movie, when you first see him, he's, you know, he's about as big as what you would assume a T-Rex would be. A little bit bigger. A little bit bigger like Maybe than that. double the size. Right. <laughs> and then the next time we see him... <laughs> What the fuck? Like he 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 grew like ten times the size, yeah. if not more. And all of a sudden, and then now he has this like trump card superpower. Oh my god! Heat beam. His atomic breath. I have never seen anything like it. This is the best atomic breath that they've ever put into live action. It's like it reminded me of Oppenheimer because mm. <laughs> when like the build up to it, he almost looks like a machine because like the spikes on his back, you know, ticked up one by one yep. as it w went blue. And then and they then all the, clicked in. It, yeah. Right before he shot it out and he would just take this huge <gasps> like breath in, but like sounding like a monster. Mm -hmm. And then he'd shoot it and it would have that like, what that buzzing sound that like really yeah. hot light makes mm -hmm. it would hit and you'd see it but you wouldn't hear the explosion until the wind caught up with it and it would just sound like a nuke that went off yeah and it wasn't a laser beam like no. i i should have shown you a clip of shin godzilla that is another really cool atomic Ew. breath where it it's like it is a laser beam <laughs> and he clears a row of skyscrapers with that laser beam and it's awesome but this is like i said the best version of that it's like a shotgun where he just shoots it out and it goes to a point and then it, it's a it's, it's like a a, it, it's like a meteor hit or just yeah. a nuke launch and mm. holy crap that that was intense i didn't expect that it was spectacular yeah when we first saw that i my like both of our jaws were just on the floor because yep. i was it was it was intense you mm -hmm. were just watching it you 
you expect, you know, the typical like laser be like the like the like the beam. Yeah, what, what he does well the beam that just kind of remains and goes across the cityscape yeah this one he just shoots it at a particular yeah, it's one area. shot and he has to recharge that shot as he usually does but. i know god <laughs> and the first time we see that we're kind of on this roll talking about the atomic breath but obviously we are because it's one of the coolest parts of the movie other than you know, there's not a cool stuff to be had because it's all sad, dramatic stuff. But yeah. when he's underwater and you see the blue light mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, shit, it's coming. The atomic breath. This is going to be awesome. And then it just goes boom. Every It's like a nuke just went off on that battleship. And then it's never even explained what really happened until you see it in the city and he does his nuclear blast again. <laughs> and it's... <sighs> That's... It was crazy. But... He also didn't rely on it. Like he, no. he, he fired it off about four times throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie. The rest was just him stepping on shit, knocking <laughs> shit with his tail. He didn't. What I want to know is what he eats. What What does Godzilla eat? Because he didn't eat the people on the island. He just picked them up and threw them with his mouth. Mm-hmm. He didn't eat them. And the fish that come up, the deep sea fish that come up with him obviously I, I don't think he'd eat those and waste mm-hmm. his time because they're too small what does he eat does he eat whales i think we had this conversation <laughs> walking out of the theater and i think whales is the most logical answer because yeah he, he wouldn't Squid. eat fish yeah anything big he would try but he's not seen eating anything in this Mm-mm. movie the people that he bites in the beginning because he's small enough to actually bite them he just chucks them hundreds of miles away or half of them it, right i i don't even know what godzilla's problem is <laughs> What's and, <your> problem? <laughs> yeah like let's just talk about it let's just sit down and talk about it but that is one thing that is made abundantly clear at the very beginning of this movie not only does it show the monster right up front which i always love reminded me a lot of a uh, bong Ju's, i was about to try and say his name bong jun ho's I hope I hope I said it right. But the same guy who did Parasite, he made a movie called The Host, and yeah. in that you see the water monster very very quickly, and I loved that. <laughs> he doesn't. It doesn't seem like the only explanation they gave to their understanding of why he was attacking mm-hmm. was um, being territorial. But what also I noticed is when he's walking on land, he definitely looks like he's not supposed to be yeah. like on dry land. He's he meant is... to be in the water because he is slow. <laughs> and he's still pretty slow in the water too. But on land, he's taking a step every three seconds. Yeah, and he's a thick boy too. Mm-hmm. Like he's bottom heavy. Oh, he's very he's bottom pear, heavy. Pear-shaped bottom heavy. But <laughs> he's he just looks like he feels his weight mm-hmm. on land so that when he goes up there, it's like, I can just hear in his head, go, fuck my joints. <laughs> Ow. And there's even a scene where he's in the city and I think it happens the second time where he sweeps his tail and you see it from the ground perspective. That's amazing. I think there's one shot of Godzilla that kind of falls down for me and that's where you can see the news crew at the top of a building and they're just kind of narrating what Godzilla's doing and he does like a a tail sweep and it looks like he's moving a little too jerky or a little too fast or a little combination of the two. I'm not sure what it is, but that was probably the one moment in this entire two-hour long movie where I thought 
that Godzilla wasn't real, that I was reminded that this was a movie. Because a lot of this, the entire time, I started to care so much about the characters okay. and so much about their struggle. Little that I was just, Oh my goodness. We sh- I mean, we've been talking about Godzilla this whole time, <laughs> but yeah, the actual protagonist of this movie mm-hmm. is this uh, kamikaze fighter. And just the fact that he's there means that he... He bailed. Yeah, he, he bailed. Well, he tried... He- he feigned as though his his jet was mm. faulty, so he landed on the island in the first place. I think mm. it was Obo Island or Odo. Oh, Odo, yeah. Odo Island. He landed in the first place, and, and the mechanics were like, you know, we looked over this whole thing, and we can't find a single thing wrong with it, man. <laughs> it like, What's we're not, happening? He's we're like, what are you implying? <laughs> what are you insinuating that I ran? Because I did. Because <laughs> no. I, I don't want to die. But yeah, the, in pretty much this whole movie, a lot of the people around this protagonist, aside from a couple people who we meet, but they just they just want him to like kill himself because that was what his honor and duty was to the country, or it was supposed to be that. So he just, or at least it's revealed by the end that this character feels like he is cheating death, like he should have died from the very beginning and i can really really get behind that or at least the idea of he's in this dying country and not just dying this country is dead like they've been ravaged by war and that's why the title is godzilla minus one because the country is in a position that is below the point of zero they have nothing or less than nothing and everything about that just didn't necessarily spoke to me as i can't relate to that scenario but i could really feel the consequences of everything that happened and when godzilla came back on screen after that amazing intro i was terrified of what he was going to do to the characters specifically um i have no idea what her name is but the female protagonist which well there's 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 auntie and then there's the one that takes the Akiko. the one that takes the baby was it Sum- <coughs> sumika sumiko or something i don't oh goodness i should look it up i'm not sure but and then she kind of comes out of nowhere I, I i definitely thought that was her baby at first but then she's like oh noriko mm. noriko that's who it is yes. and then and then she runs into, what is his name now? Ko- Koichi, the main the main character guy, Koichi. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Runs into him, and then he's like holding this child because she's being chased by the police for stealing, I guess. But yeah, I something. never saw what she stole. But yeah. I'm guessing it was food for the baby <laughs> because yeah, she's been taking care of a baby, and through a series of events, she and the baby start living at. Uh, I already forgot his Koichi's house. Mm-hmm. She, Shikashima, I think. Oh goodness, I know nothing about Japanese culture. I know one of their names is a last name and one is a first. And... Uh, Shikashima is a last name. I think usually they refer to, at least to be polite. I, f- I feel like um, they say they go by last name unless you're like super super close to them, like family. Mm-hmm. That and makes then... sense. And then you can call them first name. But most of the time, I think they refer to people by their last name. Hmm. Well, I mean, kind of on that point, one thing I loved about this movie is I had no idea what was going to happen to any of these characters. And not just because I don't 
know or recognize any of the actors or their faces and i know like oh that's a famous actor they'll at least make it to the end of the movie i had no idea what the structure of a japanese movie was and even if i did they would probably separate it this being a godzilla movie set in the 1940s like this is nothing like what we've seen before and it's just at every moment i didn't know what to expect right and it... <laughs> Well, we never knew when Godzilla was going to like attack or come back. And there was mm -hmm. already a bunch of things happening from the war, rebuilding. And as soon as uh, Koichi got back, everybody was like, you, you how'd you escape? Like, yeah. why, why did why did everybody else die? And you came back and I'm not sure how <laughs> they got the information that he was signed up to be a kamikaze pilot. But yeah, everyone knows, which means that when he comes back everyone's super pissed off at him right especially the um the they they refer i don't know if she's actually an aunt because mm. like akiko's they call her auntie for akiko yeah. but i don't know if she's actually related to koichi um but they're at least neighbors and she was talking about how the whole wartime like she's one of the lone survivors of their town mm -hmm. and even her children died yeah and she was and she was like how dare you show your face here because he was yeah i mean he was supposedly supposed to die in the war but <laughs> but he didn't honestly i don't blame him for not wanting to do that <laughs> because i mean you got you got you can drop bombs and stuff too and you don't have to drop your whole whole self <laughs> right i don't i don't know i don't know where that came from and there's also um ejector seats that could have been implemented <laughs> yeah but i guess I mean, that's not as honorable i don't yeah, we could we could discuss or get into the whole morality of using kamikaze planes or fighters <laughs> in general but yeah that's uh, th this is even discussed in the movie but mm -hmm. human life should never treated be... cheaply is yeah. what they put it as mm -hmm. well the doctor did mm -hmm. so and... life has been treated too cheaply by this I guess we can also finish just going through all the characters because uh, Koichi, the main character, signs up to be part of this. Okay, so they, <laughs> so the United States had put out, uh, according to this movie, mm -hmm. in the movie at least, they put out sixty thousand mines that were um, out in the ocean surrounding the islands that they were on. So they were set out to cut them and detonate them from a safe distance so that it wouldn't hurt any ships of theirs anymore mm. and they were just kind of cleaning up so I, to speak i did no research into whether or not this was real but i just assume it is because it's cool and this is a fun fact they probably they probably based a lot of the war stuff on actual mm. you know japanese history i'm assuming they did because otherwise that might be a little taboo to make up stuff yeah but <clears throat> and this being a very harsh time in history especially for japan i mean for the whole world for everything <laughs> but yeah and i i did also like the production design of everything it's fairly difficult to make sets that look like they're on purposely messy and dirty and I, it looked very good and all of the wardrobe and everything it, it worked i never once like i said before i was never really taken out of the movie other than a few different right. times Right. I think the only time that for me that I would have been taken out of the movie at all or, um, was when Godzilla was walking on land and he mm -hmm. wasn't like actively attacking anything. His movements were very robotic. Yes. A little bit. At least his 
upper half because his upper half his arms stayed in that little t-rex position <laughs> he was probably pissed off because he can't scratch his butt mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe that's why he was so angry <laughs> maybe or maybe you know could go you know route of land of the lost where uh grumpy ate will ferrell and then he dislodged something in there and now yeah. all of a sudden he's in a much better mood <laughs> somebody yeah. should have just taken the l no. <laughs> but <laughs> uh that was the only time i was taken out of it because um, I was looking at it and I was, and it kind of made me laugh a little bit because of how he's walking. I'm like this big intimidating monster and he's going, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's really struggling to he's move a sea forward creature. <laughs> though. And that's a good point to kind of move on to is just how scary Godzilla is depicted as, because mm-hmm. I've never once seen him depicted as scary as he was in this movie. And maybe the version uh, I don't even know when they made it, but the black and white version, the original Japanese, maybe that was meant to be scary and some other interpretations have meant to be scary. Nothing has affected me like this. And I think even the first shot, we've talked about it on Odo Island, but they shine a light at him and he just kind of flinches from the light and then runs at it. And from then on, I knew that this was a very different interpretation. Well, I think also what made it scarier was you you couldn't figure out a specific reason why he was attacking like mm-hmm. he didn't there was no motive to attack they had to they just kind of assumed it was based on territorial behavior but there one you don't have any explanation as to where he came from where he originated what you know what how did he become <laughs> godzilla yeah second of all he has regenerative abilities so he is basically impenetrable from the outside that was... and they couldn't figure that out until later on when mm-hmm. when uh uh Koichi detonated a mine in his mouth and it killed him for just a split second and then you saw him regenerate almost instantaneously. That was the turning point for me. Yeah, and you're going, oh shit, how are we going to do it now? (laughs) Yeah, there there was that amazing scene where they're on the little wooden dinghy and Godzilla starts attacking them. They're like, what? What are we supposed to do? What are we doing? <laughs> we can't even get out of here quick enough. And I know they're like, I mean, start rowing, boys. Yeah. <laughs> get the hell out of there. I mean, uh, but yeah, they that made it scarier. And then he, and then all of a sudden he got his uh, heat beam. Yes. And then that I... that was just devastating. Like mm. that type of that type of power. I mean, I know he can regenerate like he has mm. to take time in between, but not enough time <laughs> to figure anything out. He could destroy an entire city with just one Yeah. And that's the whole and what I was saying before of I understand the metaphor of him being nuclear disaster, but I can see it in this movie whenever you heard the theme and you could see Godzilla's feet just stomping about and you're just like, oh God, no, I no, can't no, do this, no, please. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was terrifying. Right. And I can't, even Shin Godzilla, which I, I wish I showed you some clips just because that was a very gross version of Godzilla. It was a clear mutant freak of nature that should not exist. And this version in Godzilla Minus One was much more natural, though it was clear, like, there was no vague argument that this was an animal that deserved to be on Earth, just like all no, of us. No, it was, what is that? Get yeah. it off now. This Burn thing it, needs kill it to fire. be killed right now. 
Oh well, because it well it was attacking for for like no seemingly yeah. good reason. It was acting animalistic. I mean, and we also don't know. I mean, it could have been throughout the war when they mm-hmm. were using nuclear attacks. It could have um, been just a just a normal like animal that yeah got exposed to radiation. That could be his origin, mm-hmm. or he's existed at the bottom of the ocean and war woke him up. I don't I, know, like honestly, because I don't. He might he might have been a sea monster already, and then radiation from everything from the war that happened mm-hmm. could have made him worse and probably made him mad. I <laughs> like, think at, this is what I was kind of interpreting in my head was that in the beginning he was either a baby or a teenager, and then like a year or so it was had like passed. two years, I yeah. think. Two and years. then in that time the US or someone nukes him and then he grows exponentially from there and he gets radioactive oh abilities. Well, it makes you wonder how big he would have got or could get because at yeah. the end they showed that he started like building yeah, himself back up again, which was ridiculous. That's such a dick move. <laughs> I mean, all that yeah. effort. Get ready for Godzilla minus two. <coughs> well, oh. and it makes you <laughs> wonder if there's any other Godzillas or other animals that were mm-hmm. affected to the point that he was. Well, and even so, there's the whole Godzilla franchise that's going on right now in Hollywood with you know Godzilla versus Kong and Godzilla's versus facing Ghidorah and in the newest Godzilla Kong movie, it looks like they're facing some massive baboon or orangutan and like they're they're just facing a bunch of different evil monsters and the last one they faced mecha godzilla and it was freaking sweet i i did love it but this i cannot see and they're definitely doing a sequel this movie is making so much money Mm -hmm. but i can't see godzilla fighting another giant creature no maybe Maybe this time it'll attack the U.S. and then <laughs> and then we go attack them. They have all the guns. Right. <laughs> a big part of this movie too is that there is no Japanese government. They have. I mean, even if there is, they are, do not have the resources or even the will to fight back. Uh-uh. It feels like this movie is Godzilla versus the neighborhood. Yeah, the the hood. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The streets. Everyone's. <laughs> combining forces to well, fight they back. had to because the because the reasoning that they gave for the government not intervening when they when they could have when he mm. was obviously coming to tokyo to just fuck shit up yeah uh, the reason they gave was because they didn't want to aggravate the soviet union and they couldn't get us to help them for mm. the same reason they didn't want to aggravate any like mm. resolved war issues or like settled right. like they don't want to stir the dust again and they they were only able to acquire you know like four uh what are they they're not cruisers four four ships from the navy yeah, like battleships yeah naval ships and mm-hmm. the majority of the citizens that uh gathered together to help were actually naval men mm-hmm. and well those those were the, like the <laughs> only ones that could help because they knew how to captain a ship right? they knew how to make it work there's even the line of just like yeah who is going to drive so, these ships if Right. Yeah, well, someone has to. Yeah, someone has to navigate it all. Yeah, multiple times, like a couple of times throughout the movie, the the reasoning they go, you know what, we don't want to fight, but someone has to. Yeah. Someone has to step up. <laughs> Otherwise, Godzilla is just gonna flatten us all. <laughs> Otherwise, we're gonna have to learn to live <laughs> underground. <laughs> and Godzilla Deeply. chews through many many battleships like tissue paper. 
Yeah, just like they're <laughs> toys. Like they're mm-hmm. they're nothing. Because yeah, we've mentioned on land, he's really slow. He'll walk through anything. He'll tail swipe anything. But when he's in the water, there's no stopping him. Oh yeah, you can definitely tell that he is meant to be an aquatic creature, mm-hmm. which all that still begs the question is why he was attacking land. I have no why, idea. Why land? Because if he was meant to be in the water, I mean, obviously he can do some damage on, yeah. on land, whether he walks slowly or not and has joint problems. I don't know, but... <laughs> They're probably killing his <laughs> but, knees and hips. But why? Like that's that's what I want to know is and and why if it if he was made mm-hmm. by war efforts and being nuked or mm-hmm. just being right. exposed to radiation and mutating, he wouldn't be the only animal no. that would be exposed to that. Maybe he was an exception that you know because most of the time if you're exposed to excessive amounts of radiation you're just gonna die. Yeah. Maybe he was just one exception. I can see that. Because it a rarity. Because if if that were the logic, there would be a lot of Godzillas. <laughs> and they would all wouldn't all be lizards either, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. You never maybe know. Maybe one's a, a three headed dragon looking thing. I don't know. What if in the second movie there it's gonna be revealed that this Godzilla was a girl and she laid eggs? Mm. <laughs> she got baby Godzilla's coming. I don't know why I thought of it, but there's an animated Godzilla series with that exact premise. Where uh, Godzilla is like, just lays an egg, and then that egg imprints on, I think it's Matthew Broderick. Not actual Matthew Broderick, but it's made to look like Matthew Broderick, because he's in the American Godzilla. Massive tangent, but yeah. Godzilla is a big old touchstone, especially for America. And I am so surprised that this movie is doing really, really well in america specifically i mean because everybody's like i don't want to read a movie <laughs> yeah i don't I don't want to read subtitles but i think this movie especially is doing well just because of the internet and word of mouth like that's the only reason why i saw it is because everyone online was saying that this movie was a must watch and i was like yeah yeah okay i'll get to it and then i did and yeah i'm really really glad that i got to it i, I can't even I mean, it's just the whole idea of this being a monster movie. And it started, and I think by the time they got onto the ship or they were talking about getting onto the ship with Koichi's new job, I was reminded of Jaws. And by the end, (laughs) this movie becomes more Star Wars than Jaws, but it has a similar structure to that. They also let him on a little bit because they're like, oh yeah, these these boats are meant to evade mines and be safe. (laughs) He walks up and it's a wooden... A wooden dinghy. It's literally like 10 feet long. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, though, because, you know, what they were, you know, after wartime, you can't really, mm-hmm. you know, spare a lot of stuff. Right. And they were talking about um, American mines that were plant- planted in the ocean somewhere that were mm-hmm. magnetic and that yeah. would trigger it. So it kind of had to be wooden. Mm-hmm. But when Godzilla came around, yeah, that was that was a bad bad boat to be in because he it was not fast. <laughs> it was not fast and Godzilla was just coming up. And... Like you were saying before, it makes perfect sense for this boat to be super small. There's only four people on it. By the way, I loved all of the people in the crew. I loved all of the characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you see that wooden ship and you think about, this is a Godzilla movie. Are they going to face oh, Godzilla Lord. down in oh, that Lord, ship? Oh, Lord, he coming. <laughs> and yes, they do. And it's fucking terrifying. Oh, my God. And well, and... Going back to Koichi's character, like, mm-hmm. 
on the island after he landed, after he knew he kind of basically um, he ran. dodged. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he just, what is that called? Like, oh, what is it called? Uh, What's the military term for that? Like, oh, goodness. Desertion. Yes. He basically deserted. Mm-hmm. And then after Godzilla was coming and attacking them, they were telling him, get in your pilot and, mm-hmm. and shoot him. Like, shoot him. That That's a 20 millimeter. It should do some damage. I mean, anyone, anyone could have pulled that trigger. He didn't even have to aim it. Right. But they'd chosen him as the guy. He's going to go up well, and yeah, he's going to try and shoot him. <laughs> he was like, they were like, we're all mechanics. You're the fighter, right? It's like anyone can pull a trigger, but I guess they're choosing him and yeah. then he hesitates. Well, yeah, he got in there and he froze and hesitated because mm. the Godzilla's head was right in front of him. And he had the, I don't think, no, this it, is the thing, I don't think it would have actually done anything except piss him off, mm. but they didn't know that at the time. And then he, um, him and only one of the mechanics, uh, what was his name, Tachibana, um, he, him and those two were the only ones that survived that, and Tachibana was like... <laughs> This is your this fault. This is your fault, bitch. Like, <laughs> you did this. As if he called Godzilla yeah. <laughs> upon them. Like, <laughs> yeah, I would Godzilla have regenerated or would that have killed him in the beginning? There's no way of knowing. Yeah, because I don't it's unclear whether or not he had his mm. heat beam powers um I don't think so. on the island. It's it's unclear whether that right. was the case because you wouldn't know until he powered up, but he may not have he may have been close range enough to where he maybe is aware enough of his own abilities that it would have killed, like yeah. hurt him too. <laughs> but it, I feel like it would have just pissed him off and then it would have still been his fault. So it was a lose lose for Koichi right there. But, yep. but he, but Tachibana just, you know, kind of was another one that said, you should have died in the war. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You just died, bro. <laughs> and that just makes him feel even worse and even worse. And I guess we can, really dive deep into the character drama because this is definitely the kind of movie where if you got rid of Godzilla entirely, I still would have really enjoyed this just drama in and of itself because although I really, really hated the main character and all of the decisions that he was making, like he's just self-deprecating and I understand everything that he's saying when he says that I don't deserve happiness or every time something bad happens, he's He's blaming his dead parents for it. I I, I hated all of that, but I understand it. And even just the way that he... It's so easy to just be the dad to Akiko. Mm -hmm. Just just do that. You don't even have to be the wife to uh, Noriko. Just be a dad. But of course he... by. I think it's close to the third act he realizes or he just <laughs> is able to accept it in himself that he does want that happiness as much mm-hmm. as he's denying it. Yep, because they put it as, I'm still fighting this war. I'm mm-hmm. not done. Like, I'm not done with it. I have unfinished business and I can't move on from it until I, you know, finish up what I need to finish up. Yeah. And to, that makes sense. But he also lived with Akiko. Well, Akiko, when she was given to uh, Noriko, was a very little infant. So that so she, these two are the only parents she's ever yeah. actually known. So and Akiko was just all automatically calling them mom and dad, like and and he was like, "No, Akiko, I'm not your father. I've told you this before." I'm like, 
Why are you going to sit there and tell that to an almost two-year-old little girl? You are her dad, bitch. <laughs> you are. <laughs> that's that's who you are. I also Accept found it. this entire situation very believable, just from the amount of stories I've heard of in World War II, an orphaned person finding a parent or two parents who had lost their children, and they're just like, hey, can I be your kid now? <laughs> <laughs> can Can I take that spot? Mm-hmm. Is there a vacancy here? <laughs> Can <laughs> I fill it? Honestly, the amount of times that that has happened in real life is devastating. Mm-hmm. And seeing that happen in this movie, I thought was not perfect, because obviously I don't want any of this sad <laughs> stuff to happen, but it was a very poignant thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it was really, really well done. I also think that uh, Nuriko and Akiko gave him like almost a light at the end of the tunnel. Because right. when he was just by himself, he was just being heckled all the time. Nobody was going to let him live it down that he um, deserted his position as kamikaze mm-hmm. pilot and came back and faked jet problems <laughs> in order to not do that. Which, right. again, I don't blame him for just... Nope. Because even then, even if he did, it probably wouldn't have actually done a whole hell of a lot. It wouldn't have helped no. their cause anymore. It would have just been all. another senseless, cheap death, you know? Mm-hmm. But... <clears throat> but I think that Noriko and Akiko gave him a light at the end of the tunnel and he, because he started getting, you know, looking really hard for jobs, letting them stay with him. And they continued that for about two years and, yeah. and he was taking care of them and acting as, you know, the man of the house or the, <laughs> you know, the father of Akiko. And he acted like all mm-hmm. those things. He just was refusing to accept it. But I think even though he refused to accept it at first, it was always a comfort to him because it was somebody that depended on him rather than um, saw him as, you know, a piece of shit. Yeah. And he finally accepted it toward the end and started mm. letting her, letting Akiko call him father and stuff like that. Mm. But and I, if there are two things that I thought could have been, <coughs> I don't know, not done better, but maybe addressed more often in the movie. And that is, I wish there was more of the baby. And I wish, and this is much more specific, but I wish that Noriko dived into the alley rather than pushing the main <laughs> character. Because that's I another know. part. I'm like, everybody's got to be the hero. <laughs> no, <laughs> Took me way out because the entire time I was thinking... She definitely could have just dove in the alley with right. him. But that wouldn't have given him the turning point to finally, you know, no. take charge and, and go, well, now now I have to be, you know, I have to be the, the person that Akiko depends mm. on because she already lost her parents. I can't make her lose them twice. Narratively, and- <clears throat> that was clearly the right thing to do. Yeah. I just, while that happened, I was like, come on. We're Come doing on. this. <laughs> like, you could have easily gotten in the alleyway, too. But I don't know. And the, and I don't know what was going through her head when it was just her. I mean, that was terrifying. Godzilla lifted the bus she yeah. was in. And she finally had an opportunity to just drop in the water. But even then, that was dangerous because the train was falling on yeah. top of her, too. And then she's just walking casually down the street almost disassociated mm-hmm. and turning around and just looking at this huge monster that's like coming toward everybody where everybody is going run bitch <laughs> I, I, again i get disassociating i would probably in that moment too but also run get your out life. of there <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> go and i uh, the main character finds her mm-hmm. and he's just like do you want to live run <laughs> <laughs> come on bitch we gotta go 
he came to save her, but then she's the one that sacrificed herself. Mm-hmm. But and I fully believed that she was dead. And that well, they wanted you to think she was dead because mm-hmm. well, and the only thing I questioned it a little bit, but like after a while, when they were um, when he kind of just accepted it and they moved on from that for for the time being, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe she is dead. But I questioned it at first because I'm like, they didn't show a body. Yeah, like they didn't show anything. Like they didn't show a body. She could have been alive still mm-hmm. and just really incapacitated by <laughs> by that blow. Because I mean, obviously anybody. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much the main character even looked around. I know I would have looked a little harder than he did. He peeked right. around the corner and went, "Well, shit." I, I guess she's dead. <laughs> well, that's that's all she wrote. <laughs> While she's laying over there, going, "Oh my god, <laughs> please anybody." I need help. But but then. <clears throat> We got they got that telegram after mm-hmm. he went to he had fully intended to not come back. Yeah. On that last mission when they were trying to sink Godzilla with Freon tanks. Yep. And and I was thinking, I was like, that might work, but honestly <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else you would have you would have done anything about it. I mean, but that would have killed a normal thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, w- I was like, can't we just like take this on over to the Marianas Trench? That's way deeper. And just leave them down there. <laughs> that might work. But I also liked the whole buoyancy idea of whenever we see Godzilla, and this is, I'm mainly thinking of the American franchise, but he's always in the ocean, standing up on top of it. And I have never had a problem with that image because it's iconic and he's usually shooting his atomic breath upward and it's, it's sweet looking. But I've never stopped to question how he's able to just float up at the top. And in this movie, I don't know if they explain it, but they just say, yeah, he floats up at the top of the ocean and he just stands there like that. And that's how we're going to get him. I, is it him... Is it him floating or is it him treading? And we just don't see the treading underwater because it's slow enough because he's got these big old feet. <laughs> I assume kind of. I, I assume, it was, assume it would churn the water yeah. if he was treading the water. Also, when they took him out to the depth that would take him down below, I'm like, mm-hmm. he can't be standing yeah. because they're they're gonna sink That's, his ass. Like, well, that that was the whole the whole thing of it. Fifteen hundred meters. Like um. <clears throat> He technically, it looks like he's standing, but he's not because in so many other movies, and I think even in Japanese Godzilla movies, it has that iconic image of him just standing in the middle of the water, even though he should be sinking. And I, again, they probably explained it with a line where they're just like, oh, there's something in his thighs that lets him float or like something a, like, like a, that. Like an air bladder? Yeah. Which, I mean, it looked like it. His legs were thick. But, Big boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just loved that explanation because I'd never even stop to think about it for a second. How right. if he can shoot heat be- <laughs> atomic heat beams out of his mouth, he probably has some method of maintaining buoyancy, especially if he's an aquatic creature that breathes air. Yeah, because he doesn't have gills. So he mm-hmm. has to be an air breather. Mm-hmm. And so I would assume he has something close to maybe like what an air bladder would be or yeah. something that would maintain any kind of buoyancy. They probably... Also, he has massive lungs, mm-hmm. so you know maybe that can help maintain some buoyancy <laughs> when he's holding his breath. Definitely, <clears throat> but I the whole plan to get him in the end and the MVP with the scientist character loved all the characters on the boat. I I'm trying to think of 
the, there was the younger guy who had never even been to a war and he just wanted to prove himself. Like I could get behind all of them, but that mm-hmm. scientist easily the best character. I loved him Sumi- so much. Yeah. Uh, Noda, Dr. <laughs> mm, Noda. Yes. Um, and then Sumiko was the young boy, I think. Right. Or was it Shiro? Yeah. I think that was Shiro. Yeah. Mm, and then yeah, there was, sure. there was like the experienced guy. The naval, I, the captain. Mm-hmm. I could definitely understand where all of those characters were coming from. I didn't want to see any of them die. Is there much else to talk about? I can't think of anything else to mention other than I really, really want to get into the budget of this movie and how they were able to make it behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. if you kind of want to talk about that. Yeah. So this movie had a $15 million budget, which is a completely arbitrary number unless you know how much movies cost. And I'll just say the 2014 American Godzilla movie, which sure looks a little bit better than this movie. There, Like I said, there's some moments that don't necessarily hold up, but that movie cost $160 million. Mm-hmm. That It's astronomical to me that... This movie can be a fraction of that and still look just as good, like hold up just as well. And I mean, in my objective opinion, this movie is head and shoulders better than that one. Right. I think, I don't know. It might also just, it might also just be the different take on it or adding the wartime Mm -hmm. uh, aspect of it making, because that'll, that'll tug your heartstrings. That'll get you closer than rather than just a giant monster attacking and, dealing with government officials in an office trying to talk about what we should do because it was a bunch of civilians that defended mm-hmm. not the government like it was it was a it was just a bunch of you know off-duty uh naval men and civilians mechanics yeah engineers. yeah it, it had a pretty small cast and i don't even know if any of the cast were famous japanese actors maybe they were maybe they weren't right. I, I, I have no idea how much they cost, but just the idea that a modern blockbuster, and I'm even thinking of, say, Marvel movies, they can cost upwards of $200 million. And looking at Godzilla Minus One, it makes me think of where the hell that money goes. To overpaid actors, I'm yeah. assuming, because the writers, uh, the CGI specialists, the mm-hmm. animation specialists, whatever, the ever anybody else in that movie, I guarantee you the director and the actors are where that money goes. Because yep. 100%. I mean, if you want Jennifer Lawrence in your movie, she's going to be a, a pretty penny, you know, because... <laughs> I guarantee you that's where they go. Yeah. If you if you want a really famous famous actor, they're gonna that manager is gonna be like, nope, cop it up. Come on. Come <laughs> this on. is come on. One figure that I remember from years and years ago, but I remember hearing somewhere that Robert Downey Jr. for I wanna say one Avengers movie, but I I could be wrong. It could be multiple Avengers movie in a contract that he signed, but he got fifty million dollars for that. That's where the budget goes. Yep. <laughs> yep, because I guarantee you that's where it goes. Because if they're able to achieve the, the this level of CGI in Godzilla Minus One mm-hmm. uh, with a quarter, no, less than a quarter. How, it's how like, much? it's a fraction. Less than, less than a fourth of the budget that they have for other movies that have turned out just as good, you know? Just the fact that they were able to achieve that means that 
all those other movies, the entirety of the budget goes to paying mm-hmm. the famous faces that you get with the movie. And a lot of the time, and you and I have talked about this about multiple like different movies and stuff like that, is uh, famous voices and famous faces. Yes tend to be used to, you know, boost people's interest mm-hmm. in certain movies and stuff like and, that. And that works on me. Yeah, it I does. Because if you have a fondness for a certain, I mean, like Johnny Depp will watch anything he is in, anything, <laughs> <laughs> anything. <laughs> but it's it's true that you pay for the brand. Mm-hmm. You pay for the person. You pay for the name. You pay for the voice and the face. Like, yeah. And I think that's where the most of the budget goes. But obviously really good results for movies are achievable with way less of a budget too. So, And I think a lot of that can be attributed to this director and I wish I had his name in front of me, but he is also the VFX supervisor for this whole movie. Mm -hmm. And the way that he was able to just say, put the camera down in a place and he would have an idea of the exact special effect that he wanted. And he would know exactly how to achieve that and the different ways that they could and what would be more cost effective Mm -hmm. and that more planning ahead needs to be done. And I can look at uh, the director, Gareth Evans, which is actually the director of the American Godzilla in 2014. He, this year came out with a movie called Gareth Edwards. I said Evans. Gareth Evans is the guy who (laughs) wrote and directed and edited the two raid movies. That's why I, his name came up i cannot believe i mixed him up but gareth edwards uh directed the creator this year which was a really really good sci-fi movie i don't Mm -hmm. know if i loved it but i definitely liked it Mm -hmm. and that movie was around 80 million dollars and that's probably the best looking movie i've seen all year i really hope that movie wins best vfx at the oscars just to set a precedent for how a director or just someone in charge puts their foot down and doesn't let someone change VFX so much and just over and over and over again until they burn out the artist. Right. Having a creative direction and treating people like as you should with their skills and, Mm -hmm. you know, having an idea before you start shooting and before you start all the programming and stuff like that, before all of that, have an idea of what you want, which is why I think they were able to achieve such great visual effects with a lesser budget was because they had a vision and they stuck to the vision that they had and they had, you know, really good planning because I mean, you have to have a good vision. To yeah. And that's and you can see that in a lot of differences between different directors and different movies mm-hmm. because they all are a little bit different. Some of them you prefer over others because, you know, they have a creative vision and a knack yeah. for being able to see something through and not change it up a thousand times because they're entitled. <laughs> and I'm mainly pointing my finger at Marvel movies, and they're not the only culprit of this, but they're the biggest culprit is a lot of the reason why Marvel movies don't look good isn't that they don't have good enough VFX artists. It's the fact that they give a VFX artist not just not enough time to do something, but they also let a VFX car, like an artist complete whatever they're doing. They see it and then they say, eh, give me another version. And then they do that again, give me another version. And then they do that about five different times and then they choose the first one anyway. And then that Waste one- Waste their time and yeah. talent. Whereas they could have just been working on the one shot that they know is going to be in the movie rather than making five different shots that they can choose from. Mm-hmm. And that's 
a very, very specific example of what's going bad with the whole VFX industry nowadays, mm-hmm. but... They're going to cause a VFX strike now. It, the VFX artists are <laughs> talking about unionizing, and I, I hope they do. Well, I mean... I think a lot of these, I think a lot of people, like especially directors and um, famous actors, get a little bit big for the britches mm-hmm. because they're used to being, you know, the center of attention for all these things, the, the things that are basically carrying the movie. But in reality, uh, the, a lot of the behind the scenes people are the ones that make the magic happen. Yeah. Because, and, you know, you can get any actor that's decent enough to go on screen, but it doesn't matter how good the actor is mm-hmm. if the rest of the team is falling behind whether right. it be because of timing issues budget issues whether it be because they're on strike <laughs> whether <laughs> again another very specific example but i do not want to see avatar 3 unless the vfx are next level out of this world like well, that's the yeah. only reason why i care and about james that cameron franchise. isn't, isn't going to put it out unless, unless he thinks he's ready for it because yeah the other ones, the other ones are phenomenal mm-hmm. so far. I I like them. A lot of people had a lot of problems with the way of water. I don't know why, because you can if you zoomed in on some of the water scenes, do you know how detailed phenomenal. that shit is? Oh my god! You could see the little beads of water on the saddle in the in the seam of the saddle, like the tiniest little details. If you zoom into it, it just looks <laughs> fucking fantastic. But was the first one long? Yes. I mean, what was it also but, Dances with Wolves in Space? Maybe. But I also love Avatar. It's just it's just really good. It's just mm. I also I just don't think James Cameron would put something bad out if because he, he just he gets hit after hit. He may have like the final say, but again, with all of the movies coming out nowadays and all of those movies relying on I don't know how many VFX studios are even out there. Probably a lot, but not a lot of very big ones. Like there's a Weta, which I know does a lot of the Avatar stuff, and they're being crunched like hell. Like it's just it's really, really disheartening to see so many movies come out every year, like dozens, and every single time a movie comes out, it doesn't look okay. We should have this standard nowadays that VFX just they need to look real. Even if it means you have to, you know, give the movie more time and delay mm-hmm. it a little bit because I know you want to get it out in demand and stuff and in and, and especially in entertainment and social media industries, uh, the it's fleeting a lot of the time with interest and right. you have to and you have to kind of cater to the interest of the public that you're appealing to. Mm-hmm. But I would much rather wait an extra six months to a year. For them to get it the way that it's you know supposed to look 100 have enough time to do it rather than them just spit something out because it's convenient for the time mm-hmm. of interest i would much rather just you know have to wait a little bit longer mm-hmm. in order to see like a, a better end result and end mm-hmm. product especially when it comes to movies that rely heavily on vfx and cgi mm-hmm. and stuff like like avatar yeah. that's all cgi and <laughs> and everything like that it's all of it and or, I mean, tying it back to it. Godzilla, because we haven't really talked about him for a little bit. Or yeah. her. It, it could have been could her. Be. You, you could, we, it looks it could like... be revealed in the next movie that she she just was looking for a spot to lay eggs and just pissed off. <laughs> she couldn't find a good spot, and all these little ant people are crawling around and blowing shit in her face. But yeah, if you want your audience to be connected to this movie, to be scared of the monster, it doesn't 
have to just look real. It has to feel visceral. And for that to be the case, the VFX need to be planned out and they need to look good. And it needs to be purposeful, not just random action. Yep. Sequ- Even though that looks cool, it's like, well, it has. you have to have a reason to do that and not just go boom, boom. Cool. Even though I like cool booms. There's a plenty yeah. of booms in this movie. Oh, this one, this one they, they did really well. I, yeah. I was I was flabbergasted, honestly, by how good that that atomic breath was. That was just <laughs> fantastic. The way it yes. he, the way it built he had to build it up and you watched him build it up to the part where he just went and <laughs> launched it and it was it was just like launching a huge nuke oh, off in the it, distance and Every I time just it would like happen, the sound delay mm. because you could see it first, and then it goes <laughs> like Oppenheimer. And there were a lot of anime-like influences in this movie. The way right. that every time something <laughs> climactic would happen, it let the movie gain momentum to that action or to that climax it wouldn't just go for it straight away it would build it up for a solid minute and that even happened in the very end where there was some time editing issues at least in my brain with just how much the characters were reacting to what was happening i was like they don't have time to react this slowly but it worked right yep yep Mm -hmm. And I knew, I knew they put in an injector seat. I knew they <laughs> yep. did because there ain't no way they're going to kill the main character at the end. Because right before um, Tachibana was, he was like, oh yeah, one more thing I need to show you. It's important. And, and you even leaned over. And I, was like, I was like, I bet you it's an injector seat. I bet you it is. Because they made a point of talking about that specific thing in the meeting when they were planning it. You know? <laughs> you know? But yeah, this movie was absolutely incredible. A must watch. Could not recommend it more. Hopefully your theater is showing Godzilla minus one because you definitely need to watch it. Mm-hmm. But what would you give this movie out of five brownie points? Honestly, I love it a lot, but I would give it a four out of five. Mm-hmm. Just because of some things that I thought they could do a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Like how Godzilla moved on land, his upper body at least, to make him look less robotic. And you you could tell, at least it was made to look like a man in a suit, but it, it, it wasn't that. It was very CG heavy. And like I said, the jerky moments, you're right, it looked a little robotic. Yeah. And like I said before, they could have had more baby stuff. I cared a lot about Akiko, yes. but I could have cared for her more. Right, and the and also I would say the huge gap between when we first see Godzilla and then when he comes back. I, I understand the gap, mm-hmm. but it's also lost time where he comes back inexplicably huge <laughs> and with another power that's devastating and why he chose to come back where he was for two years. Mm-hmm. Where did he go? I, I liked that. <laughs> did he try the U.S. And, went and turned around and went, fuck no. <laughs> I think that's exactly what happened. Didn't they nuke him? And that's, they didn't say. They didn't, yeah, it, they, nobody knows. Nobody knew. But he definitely attacked the U.S. Because we got that scene where it was a, a, like American dialogue. And they were saying like, there's this creature. We found it. We it attacked one of our ships. Yeah, I wonder if the U.S. just unleashed a shit ton mm. of <laughs> their budget on him. <laughs> their military budget. And he turned around and was like, nope. Fuck <laughs> this. Never mind. I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, this has been a girlfriend's glimpse into Godzilla Minus One.